This is Matt. And this is Tony. And this is What Did We Miss? The podcast where we explore our pop culture blind spots one episode at a time. So I have I have uh, Spotify open uh-huh. behind the window that I'm talking to you, and I forgot that uh, a friend of mine had made me a Meshuggah playlist. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've never listened to Meshuggah. Is, is it any good? I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't listened to it. <laughs> I, I did, and I can't remember a thing about it. <laughs> but <laughs> Wait, are they? It's Meshuggah. All right. Is that like a metal band yeah, or is it a yeah, rap yeah. artist? No, it's it's a, um, a metal band. It's it's one of those bands like Dream Theater that my high school guitar oh. teacher was like, you gotta listen to this guy shred. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. Yeah. I knew some people that were really, really into Dream Theater, like um, in, in, in 90s version of Rush in high mm-hmm. school. Like, yeah. And it was a lot, it was too slick for me. I was always like, God. Oh, I don't like the production on all this stuff. Yeah. Especially Dream Theater. Hate Dream Theater. <laughs> Sorry, Dream Theater fans. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we get it. You're too good. <laughs> <laughs> My uncle, when I was young, he had this album. Is Joe Satriani. Mm-hmm. And who's another one of those guys that were like shredders. Uh, not to be confused with the... the Shredder! From uh, the Ninja Turtles. Uh, was that a Krang impersonation? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember being uh, obsessed with the... <laughs> I was obsessed with this album cover because it was the Silver Surfer. Oh, okay. Uh, before I knew who the Silver Surfer was, but when I li- finally listened to this album, I was just like, oh, this is not how I imagined the Silver Surfer would sound. I was never a big Joe Satriani fan. Yeah, I, that that kind of like technically proficient. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just like it just feels like a lecture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like uh, Buckethead and uh, Ying Wei Ying Wei Malmsteen something Malmsteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something something along those lines. Yeah. If you like those things, I, you know, that's awesome. How did we get here? I I don't I don't remember. <laughs> already oh boy (laughs) i know i know um (laughs) sorry i was explaining i was explaining to matt off mic before we got here that uh i'm really feeling the covid crazies right now (laughs) yeah i it's you know there's a lot of repetition uh i feel like there's this weird parallel universe that i see on social media of people that are not going through a pandemic. And I think that's also really disheartening. Um, I don't know. I like the film lab I use to, to develop my film photography. Mm-hmm. They had like a day excursion for everyone that worked there and they're all hanging out without masks. And I was just like, I don't, what, what is happening here? I don't, I don't understand this. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're uh, a year into like, the stay at home order and all that stuff. And, you know, I get it. You know, you think you're, well, I haven't gotten it yet. And I know this person has been smart and this person has been smart. And like, you just feel like, Oh, maybe I can let my guard down. But yeah, I don't know. It's really tricky. And, you know, with, you know, with, with the babies, we're not taking any risks. We've, I mean, with my mother and father-in-law have still been coming to help us, during the day and now that I'm at work and like we've still been asking them to wear a mask 
<laughs> you know, in there. Yeah, that makes sense. We're yeah, essentially isolated together, but you know, no risks, and they're super close to getting a vaccine. So like, of course, it would happen <laughs> like two weeks before the finish line, right? Yeah, but you know, still, uh, still watching lots of stuff and reading lots of stuff. Yeah, it's the only thing I could do. Yeah, Biden time. Any uh, anything good? What have you been watching or reading? Yeah. Well, you know, um, I think we've talked about this on the show before, but occasionally when when an artist or an actor um, passes away, that's kind of, for me, sometimes um, a reason to just kind of do a deep dive. So I started watching a bunch of Christopher Plummer movies after he passed away because he's always been a pretty fantastic actor. Um, So I watched this one called Murder by Decree, actually directed by Bob Clark oh, nice. uh, from uh, Black Christmas. And he plays Sherlock Holmes. It's pretty oh. cool. Yeah, it's from the 70s. And uh, James uh, Mason is actually... Uh, Watson? Yes, sorry. I don't know why I was having a brain fart. Um, but it's fun. He plays Holmes to be a bit more excited by the hunt, you know, like less of the... You know, there's an element of some home stories where he's an addict and... and they really lean into that where he's sort of uh, almost a sociopath where he doesn't really care about anything about solving the crime. But this Holmes has a, a bit of humanity in it, mm-hmm. but it's not based off of any Sherlock Holmes stories. It's based, they wrote it specifically for the movie. And um, this story is based around Jack the Ripper. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It goes, gets really dark at the end. Um, but he, I thought he was terrific. He's really good at it. And I watched this other one, which I have to look up. Um, I watched another one called The Silent Partner, mm-hmm. uh, which is a Canadian movie directed by Daryl Duke uh, and also also starring um, um, Elliot Gould. Oh, great. And it it's it's great. It's a, it's a heist movie, uh, sort of, where Elliot Gould, Gould works at a bank and Christopher Plummer shows up uh, and attempts to rob the bank. Um, and in the process, Gould kind of hide some of the money that was stolen and keeps it for himself. Uh, and then Plummer kind of is aggressively pursuing Gould to get the rest of the money. Um, so it's really good. Um, it's from uh, 1978. What's that called um, again? I don't, it's called The Silent Partner. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's really cool and really unexpected. But Plummer is just vicious in this uh, really nasty character. But he was great. He's He's, you know, I think he's... He's always been not underrated, but you know, he's a reliable actor. You know, ever since uh, Sound of Music. But it's funny, like Meg loves the Sound of Music, and it's just after he passed away, I was just kept talking to her about how Plummer hated it. <laughs> he called it the Sound of Mucus because <laughs> he hated it so much. Uh, oh wow! Which I always—it's really really funny. Didn't like Julie Andrews. Yeah, Mary Poppins herself, huh? Yeah, I think he thought everything was really chipper. But from what I understand, um, he was also a pretty big alcoholic. <laughs> so uh, okay. I'm sure he's going through his own stuff as well at mm-hmm. that time. So We got to really make these children lean into the war aspect. <laughs> yeah, I think he just thought it was kind of bullshit, but you know. Yeah. It kind of made his career, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. And he was great in the most recently in Knives Out. So, yeah. But yeah, I do that. Do you do that? Do you do that kind of like when someone passes away? Do you kind of start watching their stuff? Yeah, for sure. Um, 
I, I don't know that I've done it recently, uh, though I am I am reading uh, Improv Nation, which is a, a sort of a history of um, improv comedy from like the 50s up through the uh, probably the 2010s. I don't remember exactly when this is written, um, but there are certainly a lot of names that come up who sort of got their start in like Second City or um, uh, or uh, The Compass or these other sort of foundational improv communities. Um, uh, a lot of them who are, you know, who have passed and they're, they're stuff to check out. Kind of weird how, not weird, surprising how far the roots of improv go. I mean, you kind of think of like the last 20 years or so uh, of pop culture and obviously SNL, but like, um, you know, there's, they talk a lot about the graduate and, and Mike Nichols sort of, you know, how he got from where he started to, yeah, kind of bringing that sensibility to, to Hollywood. Him and, uh, and Elaine May, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be a fun episode to do sometime. The yeah, I'd love to. Records. Yeah, I think that would be a lot of fun. I don't think anyone would listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, uh, That's that, okay. That would be our... Well, that could be our Caligari for 2021, I guess. There you go. There you go. Uh, well, the reason I ask is because today we are talking about MF Doom. And in particular, we're talking about the album he put out in 2004 with Madlib under the name Mad Villain. Uh, and that album is called Mad, Mad Villainy. Uh, and um, he passed away um, in 2020, I think around Halloween, but the public at large didn't find out till I believe New Year's yeah, or New Year's Eve. His wife had made like a Facebook post. It was really strange, but that kind of um, is part and parcel with who he is. He's just this enigmatic weirdo <laughs> um, rapper. I had sent you a message afterwards asking if you had ever listened to this record because uh, it's a favorite of mine and, and, and when you said you hadn't I thought it would be a good idea to kind of um, do an episode on it and, and maybe kind of talk about him and his career in general because um, it's a good this album is a good starting point for for his music in general and I think as far as underground hip hip-hop goes he's really influential yeah and then you know that's what we do on the show so before I message you had you heard of MF Doom before? Um, did you have any context for him whatsoever? I mean, I knew, I knew the name. I knew the mask. <laughs> that was pretty much it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, it's something that was always sort of. I mean, the reality is a lot of hip hop is like that's a big blind spot for me. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, I wasn't listening to um, mainstream hip hop at this time. Never mind you know, more indie stuff. Uh, yeah. It's so it's just something, it's just the name. I, like I said, the, the mask is very striking. So I sort of became this familiar thing. Maybe, um, adult swim did something with him, maybe, uh, release something or a music video or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, it was, I think a couple of years or maybe even a year after, um, uh, mad villainy came out, he did another collaborative record with, um, danger mouse. And they, they put the album out called Danger Doom. Um, I can't remember the name of the record, but it had all samples from Adult Swim. So uh, it was like okay. Aqua Teen Hunger Force, 
Bird Har- uh, Harvey Danger. Was it Harvey? No, Harvey Bird- Harvey Birdman. <laughs> Isn't Harvey Danger the the flagpole sitter? Yeah, the band hey. that sings that song. <laughs> That's a yeah. deep cut. Um, and um, what was the other big one? Uh, C Lab. C Lab. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it had all those kind of samples gotcha. in it. Uh, and and um, Danger Mouse is. Um, was made you know he he became pretty famous for remixing jay-z and the white album Mm -hmm. so that was he called it the gray album and he released it kind of like unofficially because obviously it's super illegal um but it spread online and got really popular and this is kind of like his big uh one of his big first official things he's done lots of other stuff after that work with like he was in Gnarls barkley um did that that crazy song uh, yeah, uh, the, yeah. But that, anyway, that album Rome that was like a soundtrack to a spaghetti western that doesn't exist. Yeah, I don't know. That one doesn't sound familiar. Anyway, he did work with um, the guy from The Shins as well. But anyway, where we're getting off track. The Adult Swim thing is certainly where I became familiar with, and the the name and image kind of stuck with me. But you know, for one one reason or another, no, I just never, I never sought it out. And and again, like he's. He's just a really strange dude, and I think I found out about him um, when he put out this record, which I've actually recommended on this show before, um, and that's um, King Ghidorah, and the name of the record is Take Me to Your Leader. He has all these different aliases, um, and he kind of pits them against each other <laughs> in all his records, and he sort of has this overarching, I guess, mythology, you could say. Uh, but, you know, I don't think... Uh, we talk about this a lot all the time too. I don't think that's necessary to enjoy the work. I think you don't need to know the story of King Ghidorah or MF Doom or Victor Vaughn, which is another alias he goes by. Um, but that's the first record I listened to is King Ghidorah. And it has a lot of... King Ghidorah obviously is is um, based off of the Godzilla villain. Uh, and it has a lot of samples from Godzilla, not only Godzilla, but a lot of kind of Hanna-Barbera and old cartoons and um, stuff that he had on VHS cassettes that he just kind of steal samples from. But I really fell in love with that record. And that's actually one of the first records that kind of um, opened up uh, a lot of underground hip hop for me. And Madlib, who is his collaborator on this record, put out this record called um, Shades of Blue, where he just resampled, he sampled um, from the Blue Note records from the 60s and 70s a lot of jazz stuff um and that's a record i really got into it's it's, and it's funny because that's a record where i i'd had on and my dad really liked it Mm -hmm. i was like dad you're listening to rap music now i mean there's no actual rapping on it but um he's so adverse to it for so long and it was like oh this is actually pretty good um so when i found out that they were putting this record out it was like oh this is exciting you know like i i I was aware of it as it was coming out and the way it was spoken of as it was coming out as if, and I don't know, I, I don't know. It's just like this weird, like, Oh yeah, this is already a classic without ever hearing it. Everyone was already talking about how it was a classic. And as soon as it came out, everyone's like, yeah, it is. And then that was just kind of the end of it. Um, and, and yeah, and that, and it, I think it kind of, um, it, it holds up really well, uh, almost 20 years later. Uh, I, I think it's interesting to kind of dig into who he is because, he started off rapping. Um, his real name is Daniel. Now, <laughs> I'm going to pronounce his last name. And I read how to pronounce it in an article about him. So I don't know if this is like 
apocryphal or something that he came up with later on because um, it just fit the mythology. But his last name is spelled D-U-M-I-L-E and he pronounces it Dumale, you know, Doom in, in his actual last name. Maybe that's true. I don't know. Um, but he started off um, rapping under the name Zev Love X uh, around 89. He was in this group called KMD, which had like a, I guess, one hit single. Um, but then his brother died as they were releasing their second album. His brother was in KMD. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it was like a car crash. And then they had this really controversial artwork for their album cover. And so there was a lot of, um, I think there were some lawsuits involved with the record and and they got dropped from their label and then he just disappeared. And then uh, he popped up in 99 under the name MF Doom, which stands for Metal Face Doom. And the first record is called Operation Doomsday and that's Doom doing everything on his own. But right from the beginning, like there's that sort of kind of laid back delivery, really mellow and relaxed, but still super, super confident. But starting off with this projection of this larger than life supervillain. And and I think that's a through line through all of his work is being a supervillain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what he talks about in a lot of his lyrics about how he's just the worst of the worst, <laughs> um, which is a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, I mean, especially like, you know, with that sort of laid back delivery too. It's not, even if he is the worst of the worst, he's not aggressive about it, which is just like, it's super fun to listen to. Yeah. Um, he said that, um, he said, when I'm doing a Doom record, I'm arranging it, I'm finding the voices. All I have to do is listen to it and think, oh shit, that will be funny. I write down whatever would be funny and get as many whatever would funnies in a row and find a way to make them all fit. There's a certain science to it. In a relatively small period of time, you want it to be, that's funny, that's funny, that's funny, that's funny. I liken it to comedy stand-up. <laughs> uh, and it is. A lot of it's really funny. It's a lot of net non sequiturs, mm-hmm. um, but like a lot of kind of alliteration where he likes to kind of say words that are quite similar to each other and build upon those things in his rhymes. Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of songs in particular on on this album that definitely feel like he loaded it up with zingers. Like there's one, like a whole song's about, you know, a girl with really bad breath and he just keeps, <laughs> just keeps laying into it. Yeah. Yeah. I did want to read another quote from him about the mask in general. Cause I think, um, you had mentioned the mask, uh, and that's how you knew him, but that's how he performs, um, with always with the mask. It's kind of like after he, when he was Zevlov X and then he disappeared for a while, he came back as doom. Um, MF Doom and so it was like this persona and he said I wanted to get on stage and orate without people thinking about the normal things people think about like girls being like oh he's sexy or I don't want him he's ugly and then other dudes sizing you up a visual always brings a first impression but if there's going to be a first impression I might as well use it to control the story but why not do something like throw a mask on when you hear about a lot of hip-hop or rap artists they're always these larger than life personalities and I feel like this is almost a literal version of what we usually get. You know, Biggie is not who he is. You know, Tupac isn't who he is. And obviously you have a lot of rappers that came around probably uh, in the early 2010s or so that like are, especially like with Drake and whatnot, that are like, oh no, I'm this is who I am, hard on the sleeve kind of thing. But I do think for a while it was all about the personality a band like a group like Wu-Tang was the mm-hmm. same way they're all like larger than life characters they all have aliases 
Um, and I think that's what fits in with a lot of what he was doing is just loved that kind of idea of a superhero and an alias and an alter ego. Um, he had several of them and he always pitted them against each other. I, I think that's what always makes this so interesting is it's, it's almost like a, a self-aware version of what rap usually is mm-hmm. without the tough guy kind of macho-ness. Right, right, right. Yeah, I I didn't realize that he had, uh, <laughs> you know, I knew that he had the different aliases. I didn't realize that he sort of like had that larger narrative, which is really interesting. And I wish I had, if I had put a little more effort in me, if I would have known that and, and, and listen to some <laughs> of those other things too, because... Um, I mean, I did listen to this album a lot. Um, yeah. And it was, uh, I mean, like, it's a good time. It's very, it was a great thing to have on in the background. It was, a, you know, obviously even better to sort of like sit and focus with it. But like, I just enjoyed having it around the last couple of weeks. It was always that album for me ever since I had it. This isn't an album where I know every song title. This is an album that I put on and it's a mood album mm-hmm. for me. It has a, a vibe, and and as soon as you hear it, it kind of envelops you, and it really helps to decompress with this record because it is so mellow, and it's a mixture of soul and funk, um, and and sixties and seventies rock samples, um, kind of slowed down and chopped up or sped up. It's interesting because Madlib, you know, he did all of the music for it. And he used this um, sampler called the uh, SP-303, which is, is pretty rudimentary. It's not anything fancy, but that's how they did the whole record. Just that and some records and sample from stuff. But he said in interviews later on, he's like, oh, I don't know what samples are on that record. It was just like, they just work. He just do it. And they just amass a lot of them. And Doom would listen to tape after tape after tape of some of the demos of the, the instrumental stuff. And then whatever spoke to him he would you know come up with some lyrics for and then they cut the track but they worked on it i think in 2002 and then some early demos of it leaked and then they stopped working on it for i think a good two years and it almost seemed like it wasn't going to come out uh i think doom is just a strange dude and like i read some interviews with him and one with tenahassee coats and 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 coats was basically like oh hey he I got a call saying like, oh, my guy five is going to come pick you up. And then he showed up waiting for five at this hotel and he walks in and five is just kind of sitting there like chatting with some women at a bar. He's like, oh, I didn't have your number, but he was just hanging out and he's just really laid back and strange. And and then they'd show up and then Doom was like super late. And then they went to this place where he was recording, which is almost like a shed in the back, like in a backyard. And Doom's like, you're not allowed to talk while we're we're working. But then Doom would just talk the whole time. Uh, and just like a, like this really weird dude. Um, and just really mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if you read, but like later on, you know, after this album came out and it was massive. And he put like that Danger Doom record out and then he had one other solo record. And he'd always do like a bunch of mixed stuff and then some instrumental stuff. But then like, you know, the 2010s, he didn't really have much output like he'd occasionally pop up on someone else's mixtape or on some kind of 10 inch or singles or whatnot, but didn't put out any records. Mm-hmm. There's always these rumors that he's, they're going to put out another mad villain record. Uh, and, and mad Lib would constantly be sending him some demos. Nothing ever came of it. Um, but there were these shows that people would 
go to CMF Doom and some other dude would show up with the mask and lip sync to the tracks. They call them Doom Posters. <laughs> yeah, really strange. And people would say like, this is worse than like Millie Vanilli. Cause like, it's, at least when you go to see Millie Vanilli lip sync or like a pop singer lip syncs, you're seeing them. This isn't even Doom. Great. And he said, no, this is, he's like, this is just, uh, he's like, they're applauding my work. This is just part of the Doom brand. What? what, what? Yeah. What a what a zeitgeisty pull, Millie Vanilli. <laughs> I, well, I mean, they're just synonymous. With no, no, lip-syncing, no, no. With lipsing, so. I know, I know. Uh, we should do a Millie Vanilli episode. I don't think I, I, I only know the controversy. What, so, what was their big song? I don't know. Was it the? It was the girl. You know it's true. Ooh, 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 ooh. I love you. Is that them? I think that's them. I don't know. My my reference is watching like old SNL reruns on Comedy Central as a kid. Yeah, that was a big controversy. Yeah, I remember seeing. I think it was like one of those VH VH one behind the music things with them, and it was really sad. I think did one of them die? I don't know. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm not looking stuff up. Anyway. <laughs> I don't want to start putting the anyway. Um, yeah, but the whole Doom Posters thing is just so strange and just like it's funny, but I m- imagine paying like. 50 bucks to go see him play at like some trendy place in New York and then some dude other rapper shows up yeah, yeah. and lip syncs in that situation infuriating sitting here not having spent the money and and gone to be disappointed uh sounds pretty great <laughs> <laughs> yeah it kind of does yeah um well let's get into the record um you said that you did enjoy it though yeah i really did um but I think like you, I sort of, um, I would just like throw it on and listen to it start to finish sometimes a bunch of times and yeah, wasn't really paying attention to the track listing. So we'll have to, um, uh, I did quickly write down a few favorites, but like, but I'd also be surprised that to find out like, Oh, what I thought was one song was actually two songs. (laughs) Yeah. There's a number of them that, um, kind of start off one way and then Mm -hmm. go into, what the actual song is and a lot of them i don't think there's a song over three minutes and i think that's by um doom's decree mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, just like the real um victor von doom he reigns from up top and in, in uh with his iron fist but um these songs are strange too they're kind of experimental they're free-flowing there's really no choruses there's no you know there's no bridges there's no like section a or b most of the time it's just like here's the hook and then here's doom mm-hmm. uh and and uh so like uh there's an intro song called the illest villains but the, the first real song is is called accordion um so we'll we'll, we'll play accordion Living off borrowed time, the clock tick faster. That'll be the hour they knock the slick blaster. Dick dastardly and muttly with sick laughter. A gunfight and they come to cut the mix master. ICE cold, nice to be old. Y2G Steve twice to threefold. He sold scrolls, low and behold. Know who's the illest ever, like the greatest story told. 
keep your glory gold and glitter For half, half of his niggas to take him out the picture The other half is rich and it don't mean shit to Feeling a mixture between both with a twist of liquor Chase it with more beer, taste it like truth Yeah, I, I love this one I think that sample is really, really cool And and really the song is just this sample from uh, Dedalius song um, Who I'm not too familiar with And that's what the accordion is with some uh, drums over it and then there's like a bass that comes in halfway mm-hmm. through. That's the song. It's really loose. And that's the whole album in general. It's pretty pretty loose and, and kind of druggy feel, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, and, he, and then uh, Doom comes in with his kind of droll over it. Um, I love, uh, there's some great lines towards the end where he says, uh, it's like the end to the means. Fuck type of message that sends to the fiends. That's why he brings his own needles and get more cheese than Doritos, Cheetos, or Fritos. Slip like Freudian, your first and last step to playing yourself like an accordion. That's such a great line. Um, yeah. And rhyme um, it in Freudian to accordion is yeah, lovely. So good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it really is, isn't it? Yeah. I guess so in that Tennessee Coates interview I read, Doom let um, Tennessee read through his, uh, his rhyme books. So he'd have like all these stacks and stacks of books of rhymes that he'd write, write in. And and Tennessee Coates would say that, oh, like most of it is just kind of gibberish. But then if something worked, it'd be like kind of written over several times. So it was darker in like black ink to like emphasize this is the piece that works. Um, and he said it's just interesting because it was a lot like the records because it's just free flowing and strange and doesn't really make sense, doesn't necessarily connect. But then there's like something in there that's gold. Yeah, yeah. And then he uses that and he kind of connects things. Uh, yeah. But, you know, like that's not a certainly not a bad thing. Even like the words don't like make a whole lot of sense. They sound great together. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He like I think we said like he has this way of kind of finding words that are super similar. But it's not like a traditional rhyme scheme where it's just like he has a line and then rhymes it at the end of the next line, he kind of will throw in several of similar words mm-hmm. within two lines. So you're just getting lots of alliteration in there. Oh, and the next, um, the next song actually is Meat Grinder, which I think is also really worth playing. Off the beat, kinda dripping off the meat grinder, heat niner, pimping, stripping, soft, sweet minor. China was a neat sign of trouble with the script digits, double dip, bubble lip, subtle list, midget, borderline, schizo, sort of fine, tits, though, quarter wine, order grind, quarter to nine, let's go. Ever since 10 11, glad she made a brethren. Then his last down, seven alligator, seven at the gates, I have a knock and no answer, slow dancer, hopeless romancer, dopest flow stanzas, yes, no, villain, metal face to destro. So still incredible in escrow. Just say ho, I'll test the yo. Wild West style fest, y'all best to lay low. Hey bro, day glow, set the bet pay. This one has a great, great bass groove to it. Mm-hmm. That boom, 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 boom. But like you had mentioned, it doesn't really start to like 30 seconds in. There's like this whole other uh, intro in front of it. Uh, yeah, this, um, I, I think just listening to it without watching the track listing, I thought that first like 45 seconds was a separate thing or like the ending of the last one. Hey bro, Dayglow, set the bet, 
Play-Doh. Before the cheddar get away, best to get Mako. The worst hated god who perpetrated odd favors demonstrated in the perforated rod lavers. And all the quad flavors. Lord save us. <laughs> so it's just like this building of words. Uh, uh, yeah, no, no one really raps like him. I mean, something like how sometimes you kind of like slow the momentum down to build up to like, mm-hmm. like the Lord save us, the build up to that line. Um, borderline schizo sort of fine tits, though, is also <laughs> um, spectacular. I have like um, this anniversary edition of um, the album on vinyl and in it on the lyrics there is little um, kind of footnotes and under in all quad flavors it says five percenters commonly refer to each other as god and doom is the most hated god on the block he describes himself knowingly as a man of evil deeds with a taste fashion for all colors of adidas rod laver shoes (laughs) there's all these really strange footnotes in the lyrics in the in the booklet (laughs) it's really funny i don't (laughs) that's so strange but he's always like again like presenting himself as like this like this grand supervillain. you know i appreciate that attention to detail you know that the you know the persona is not just the mask and the lyrics you know there's a more fleshed out character there yeah which again like is remarkable that it exists because it doesn't seem like he ever really gets anything done. <laughs> like he was prolific for a, a little while from like 99 to like 2005. It seemed like he was putting out a lot of stuff, a lot of mixes and a few albums here and there. Then after that, it was just like, I don't know if he just kept one of those guys where he's just kept working and never put in anything out or mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there's just like this whole, you know, storage bin filled with unreleased Doom stuff. Um, there's even a Mad Villainy 2, which I think Mad Lib just got frustrated with waiting forever for Doom and put out just a remix album and called it Mad Villainy 2. And, you know, eh, eh, yeah. you know, it's not, especially after this album when a lot of people are like, oh, this is a classic it's hard to follow it up with something that's like and call it Mad Villainy 2 and it's just a remix thing. I wouldn't necessarily recommend that as your next step. <laughs> Fair enough. Bistro is the next track and that is instrumental and I, that's really cool too. Actually, I think I meant to do Raid. <laughs> uh, Raid is a really cool track. Oh yeah, Sorry. Bistro is the one that's like a... Uh... Yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Where he's like he's introducing the band for the night, and it's super cheesy. The mm-hmm. bistro bar and grill just rattles off a bunch of generic bullshit names that land on fancy restaurants. But Raid is is has a great uh, George Clinton sample. How do him hold heat and preach nonviolence? He about to speech. Come on, silence. On one starry night, I saw the light. Heard a voice that sounded like Barry White. Said, "Sure, you're right." Don't let me find out who tried to bite. They better off going to fly a kite in a firefight during tornado time with no coat than I caught ya. Wrote the book on rhymes, a note from the author. With no headshot, he said it's been a while. Got a breadwinner style to get an inner child to fit a smile. And that's no exaggeration. The doctor told a patient, it's all in your imagination, Negro. Ah, uh, what do he know? About- yeah, that's a, so that's a sample from a George Clinton um, song. Ever listen to any Funkadelic or any of that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, a bit. Not not a ton. This is very jazzy, but a little bit up tempo uh, compared to the first few songs. 
but I love that the opening line is, how doom hold heat and preach nonviolence. Shh, he about to start the speech. Come on, silence. <laughs> but he does that a lot too, where he like... Does almost like a calm response it, with himself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's... Hold on, I'm trying to pull up the the lyrics here. Uh, okay, here we go. Uh, I would he know about the buttery flow. He need to cut the ego. Tripping to date the metal fellow. Been ripping flows since New York plates was ghetto yellow. It's like a <laughs> such a great. Yeah, that like, I was like, okay, I like you know, I'm not from New York, but uh, you know, I know when movies stopped having cars that had those yellow plates on them. The footnote for this song says. Uh, comic book villain Victor Von Doom, a.k.a. Dr. Doom, an inspiration of our host, can literally shoot lightning. In this instance, our host's lightning refers to his metaphorical ability to rap so well that he touches everyone from New York's Bronx to Coney Island, a population of 8 million, covering a distance of roughly 23 miles, or 1 hour 50 minutes by subway train. <laughs> um, yeah, and and it's, I think... The idea of super villain fits in so nicely with that rap ethos of like, I'm the best rapper there is, which is a foundation of so much rap music of saying like, I'm good at this. I'm good at what I do. Uh, and to be to do that and be like, yes, and I'm also a villain. I'm the super villain of rappers, I think is is just something that um, obviously has a lot of uh, connection to a lot of the things I love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, connecting the superhero comic booky aspect, um, big mythology Doom in particular. Yeah. Who is let, let, let's, you know, let's face facts is the greatest Marvel villain, um, Victor Von Doom. But again, this record works on so many levels cause you can sit here with the lyric book and kind of go over the word by word and, and kind of talk about how clever he is, but I do think it's a perfect background album too. <laughs> Like you don't necessarily need to have all the words memorized or constantly know what he's saying because it is such a vibe, as mm -hmm. such a good natured vibe. That oftentimes I just have this on and um, while I'm doing other things, and I don't say that as a knock to the album. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean it's you know even when you're paying attention, sometimes the the lines go by so quickly that like there's a lot to keep discovering. But like you, like I said earlier, I mean, I had this on, uh, I had this on this afternoon. <laughs> I was chasing my kids around and just like, yeah, I just, I've been, it's, 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 it hasn't been, uh, you know, some music you put on and like, you kind of have to pay attention to it. It almost insists that you do that. This was, yeah, it was just great. It never, uh, I never felt like I was ignoring it when I just had it on in the background. Yeah. I think there are moments too where because of his his rhyming the way he patterns his lyrics i think even if you're not paying attention there are definitely moments that just jump out and you're like oh oh yeah what did he just say there but yeah in between a lot of this um there's instrumentals here and there uh and there are a few other rappers that pop up every once in a while one track in particular is called shadows of tomorrow <laughs> Today is the shadow of tomorrow. Today is the present future of yesterday. Yesterday is the shadow of today. The darkness of the past is yesterday. And the light 
of the past is yesterday. The days of yesterday are all numbered and some. And the word once, because once upon a time there was a yesterday. Yesterday belongs to the dead, because the dead belongs to the past. The past is yesterday. Today is the preview of tomorrow, but for me, only from a better and happier point of view. My point of view is the thought of a better and try. Reality, yesterday is eternity. The eternity of yesterday is dead. Yesterday is as one. The eternity of one is the eternity of the past. The past is one. Shadows of Tomorrow has this kind of driving, like guitar line. It's almost kind of sinister sounding. It's a sample from a, a movie called Maha Chor, which I believe is an Indian movie film from 1976 um that's quasimodo rapping and i don't know if you look this up but quasimodo is mad lib i did <laughs> it's the one bit of yeah. research that i did yeah <laughs> quasimodo's first record is is pretty good um it's weird because like it's all pitch shifted vocals like that like he doesn't sing in his regular voice he'll do like response stuff like doom does on here where he sings in his own voice and he talks to Quasimodo mm-hmm. uh, or Lord, Lord Quas, I believe he, he refers to himself as. Um, uh, yeah, but this is, this is, I love this. I love that drive. I love the, the kind of, um, the, like I said, the sinister nature of this, but like the, the drums are from this Carol Sullivan record, which is kind of more folky jazzy kind of stuff. So it's two different kind of things. There's uh, some great resources online. You can just really put in Mad Villain and it'll pull up all the the samples and you can actually listen to them all. Oh, that's cool. Like without any kind of changes or or any of the changes used to to make the record. Uh, It's always fun to hear the stuff out of context or or a different context. And, and, And going through before doing this episode, I was listening to a lot of it and I was like, oh, I need to listen to this record. Um, there's a lot of cool, really strange deep cuts. Um, but like, again, like Madlib said, like, oh, I don't know what's on that record. I think he just kind of goes and goes, which is strange. I think maybe there was this weird wild west of early or early 2000s underground hip hop where no one was going after people for like copyright infringement. Because yeah, yeah. it seems like such a thing now where it's the tiniest little music snippet and it's like, oh, no, this sounds like this. You can't do that, you know. You have to give credit to this. You have to clear this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, sure. If something if something came out now to the kind of attention and reception that this album got, and they were like, yeah, we have no idea where all that stuff came from. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. That would be a huge story. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, again, like I've never heard of the Maha Chor soundtrack, so I don't I don't know, um, you know, this stuff isn't, it's not like he's sampling like Marvin Gaye or anything like that, but there are some, some, some bigger things like George Clinton, obviously I had mentioned. And there's a couple of really random things too. Like, is there a Zappa um, sample in there? There's a Zappa sample. Yeah. There's a sample from a justice league record. It's like, you know, story stuff. Oh yeah. Which one, which track is that? Oh, that's operation lifesaver. That's actually the next track. Mm -hmm. We'll play that one too. Guard. I went to breathe out, but then she made me cough hard. <coughs> Contact the guard and let him know to slip to him. Fine, and how are you doing? Can I get you a drink? This one's a shoo Awkward situation that I'm on a mission to ruin. Her big button smile was like camo. Hit up the men's room, we need more ammo. 
Watch at three o'clock, a new recruit. That's her gin and juicy juice. Use this stick of juicy fruit. She just knew she was cute. It's in her own best interests. Less stress. Hit her with the do you need a mint test. Yeah, that the like the talking in that song. Mm-hmm. That's all from like a Justice League record. It's really strange. I don't know. I'm not familiar with the other two artists, George Duke, and the other one is Dave and Ansel Calling. But it's 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 a cool, super cool track. It's got that crazy. I don't even know what that is. That instrument in the background. That's kind of like the hook for the song. So screwed. Like some samples so screwed up that it sounds of its own thing. Yeah, I mean, it almost feels like a sketch the way he sort of delivers the the lyrics, and then uh, the fire in the hole gets me every time. I like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just just maybe the way he delivers it or whatever. But it uh, it's very funny. Um, yeah, this is a song I was talking about earlier about him like bumping into a girl at a bar who was just like really awful breath. I hope she don't take this the wrong way. You need a mint test, <laughs> which is so random. Back to the sample stuff. Um, there is a Street Fighter sample um, on the song Do Not Fire where he says, do the flame. Um, you can hear Muttley laughing on accordion, you know, Muttley from mm-hmm. uh, from Hanna-Barbera. Yep, um, yep. With the, the whole... <laughs> kind of laugh thing um there's a lot of random stuff like that james brown is on one track um i think there's some kind of like uh him singing not mm-hmm. like music from one of his records there's a line like the, the insinuation is like you know fighting for the enemy or something like that and it's uh like war fried with sarfleet but uh, yeah yeah lots of uh super nerdy stuff sprinkled in there yeah and the song is only like a minute and a half mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really short in and in and done Another one I really love is called Strange Ways. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Wreak havoc. Beat beatless mad traffic. Sleek and lavish. People speak and leak into the maverick. He see it as just another felony drug arrest. Any day could be the one he picked the wrong thug to test. Slug through the vest. Shot in the street for pulling heat on a father who babies gotta eat. And when they get hungry, it ain't shit funny. Paid to interfere with how brother get his money now. Who's the real thugs, killers, and gangsters? Set the revolution, let the things bust, and thank us. When the smoke clear and you can see the sky again, there will be the chopped off heads of Leviathan. My friend, I call them strangers. Anybody talk to them end up in some danger. Can't reform them. They pray four times a day, they pray five. Uh, this one has like is, this may be the only song with like uh, a repeating part mm-hmm. where you hear the sample say they stay same game strange ways and then he says can't reform them um, this is a sample from a band called gentle giant which is like a late 60s early 70s kind of rock band but i love that when that breakdown happens and you hear those singers uh, the the there's like a string section that comes in i love that hook uh, and it's, uh, you know, one of the few, if not the only really not jokey song on the album. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of songs about smoking weed, but like this, this, this seems like he's getting something off of his chest. So the footnote for this song says he compares the previous killers, gangsters, thieves, and dealers to political power brokers and the merchants of war. Now who's the real thugs, killers, and gangsters? Note that Bad Villainy was created when the U.S. entered two wars and much of the hip-hop world, empty with no brain, that's what that lyric references, mm-hmm. continued, continued its focus on the superficial and escapism. 
There's a lot of that in this record too, where he's kind of calling out other rappers for being superficial. And he does that in a lot of his records too, making fun of gold chains and just how, I think there was a point in time where it, the producers, especially around the time of like P Diddy was showing up on a lot of rappers tracks. And there's a lot of people like that where they were just kind of commandeering from the rappers essentially mm-hmm inserting themselves into the narrative and it became about like the cars they were driving and the women that they were associated with and and how much money they had and et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and there are a lot of kind of, when he's talking about how great he is, he does put down a lot of that kind of rapper and rapping um, throughout the record. You sort of tripped me up when you mentioned that, you know, this may have been a response to the wars we were getting into at the time. I sort of didn't really put it in the, cultural context of that specifically because i mean because then like the second verse starts you know making a raising the question of like what's the difference between you know one you know one religion and another one um so yeah shit uh wow yeah i just you know forgot about the massive wars that were starting (laughs) yeah well they started working on this like shortly after 9-11 it was Mm -hmm. 2002 when they got together for the first time i think so much of that was on everyone's mind and while this does get super silly and like he said he likes to kind of build things around jokes you know occasionally kind of can be very very thoughtful and it's very surprising he like he says um only one side is allowed to have bombs that's like making a soldier drop his weapon shooting him and telling him to get to stepping obviously they came to portion up his fortune sounds to me like that old robbery extortion it's great stuff after that there's a a cool song called fancy clown with a got a great piano line in there some kind of soul funk stuff um i wanted to play super villain theme which is um i believe that's an instrumental That song is that's killer. Yeah, it has like a a great riff. It has like a great like exploitation movie vibe. Yeah, yeah. This wouldn't be out of place in like something you'd hear in the sixties and seventies. It is from a band called O Turco, I think T E R C O. They're from night this from this record from nineteen seventy two. I listened to the original sample that they got it from, and it's like really slow. It's a lot. A lot more psychedelic mm-hmm. um sped up though it just definitely feels like you'd hear it on like this kind of like you said exploitation movie or maybe some kind of italian uh yeah, like a spaghetti, spaghetti western, western or, or or even like the horror stuff that they were putting out at the time or any kind of genre pick from the 70s wouldn't be out of place in a tarantino movie nowadays mm-hmm. um yeah it's uh, i just love the vibe of it it's got that arpeggiated kind of guitar um uh, kind of up tempo. It's only like 52 seconds. Yeah. But it's a great kind of connector. All caps is the next uh, song, which is 
awesome. That is probably somewhat of a travesty having me Then he told the people you can call me your majesty Keep your battery charged He know it won't stick, yo And it's not his fault you kick slow Should've let your trick hold, chick hold your sick glow Plus nobody couldn't do nothing once he let the brick go And you know I know, that's a bunch of snow The beat is so butter Peep the slow cutter as he utter the calm flow Don't talk about my mom, yo Sometimes he rhyme quick, sometimes he rhyme slow Or vice versa Whip up a slice of nice verse pie Hit it on the first try, villain The worst guy, spot hot tracks like spot yeah, this continues with the uh, B-movie grindhouse sound. Yeah, um, the sample is from uh, a TV show called Ironside from 1968. Uh, okay. Um, so there's sections of that that they cut up and kind of rearranged. Yeah, it's really cool. So, you know, it, again, it, it fits in nicely with um, those things that we become familiar with through different avenues. Sure, sure. Um, which is is just like remixing and and sampling and all that stuff. That's all kind of like what Tarantino does. Mm-hmm. Um, the same thing you hear on on these kind of records. All caps is a reference to the style of printed word in comic books. Is the natural conclusion one would make here, but in an interview with XXL, Doom describes something else at play. Discussing the creation of the song in the title line, he says. It was a real laid-back environment, being out there on the West Coast with the sun and all that. I'm not really dealing with frustration. I'm dealing with joy. When I rhyme, I rhyme from a place of authority, and I say things authoritatively, all caps. So basically, all caps is just a reference to, like, again, how great he is, (laughs) which is is terrific. Just remember all caps when you spell the man name. That's one of the lines. I love the section that goes... You know it won't stick, yo, and it's not his fault you kick slow. Shoulda let you trick ho, chick hold your sick glow. Plus nobody couldn't do nothing once he let the brick go. That's so easy to stumble upon, you know. I have a hard enough time speaking in general. (laughs) (laughs) uh, You know, like, I mean, just like when we record this, I constantly like catch my tongue getting in its own way or... Oh, yeah, always. yeah so yeah definitely it's it's so to be able to get your mouth around words that quickly and like often that like ah especially when they're just like hard sounds that shouldn't be right next to each other he has such a distinctive voice too like it's just so again a strange mixture of being really laid back and like conic but at the same time authoritative which is really weird like there's so much conviction in there while at the same time almost being like Almost as if like I'm too good at this to care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I'm well, saying. Well, yeah, it's just it's just confidence. It's not like uh, yeah, there's no yeah, there's no hesitation there. But yeah, no, you're right. It is for something so laid back. It does like you know, it does it does it it sounds effortless, but like clearly like there's intent and he gives a shit. And they said though that when they were together, they didn't really talk. They communicated via the music that they were just on the same page. And a lot of it did feel effortless. It almost seems like, although they probably auditioned a lot of material for the album, they didn't really spend a lot of time on it, you know? Mm-hmm. So like maybe they went through like hundreds of tracks to get these, I don't know, 
20 tracks or whatnot. But each individual track, they just knew it when they did it. Like they just knew. Almost like that sort of, it's a strange sort of like, they work so much to get the spontaneity to sound like as if they had put a lot of work into it, which I don't think is an easy thing to accomplish. Cause like this album is just loose in general. It almost feels like a sketchbook. It almost feels like something that's unfinished yet at the same time feeling so purposeful, uh, which I don't think is an easy balance to strike. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's sort of, um, you know, to be like the, the dorkiest person ever right now, but like that improv book that I'm reading that I mentioned, you know, that's how a lot of that, you know, figuring out second city sketches or even, um, uh, the way Harold Ramis made movies, they would like, yeah, they would like, they wanted it to seem loose and they would sort of improvise like to get a, to like condense it down to like the best roadmap for the scene and then bring that spontaneity and know where the beats are. Cause I already figured out what the good jokes are. Exactly. So it's that not like too nerdy. Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, the, this I'm here music trying to, is... I'm, I'm here trying to pretend like I know, you know, that I can speak intelligently about hip-hop, and I'm like, oh, my improv book, guys. <laughs> I, I, I think if any kind of hip-hop and rap music is is nerdy, it would be this. Oh, sure. It's yeah, just yeah. so filled with references to pop culture, and but, like, stuff it feels like he grew up with saturday morning cartoons oh yeah i mean especially the stuff all sounds old enough that like oh yeah like this is just the shit that was just on tv constantly i I love that piano um that kind of piano run in the in all caps the do 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 it's so so great and those big horns at that one point yeah it's worth listening to the to the theme song to the ironside tv show just to hear it in that different context and how it came to be this song wait hold on a second did you look up the tv show ironside no (laughs) um ironside is an american television crime drama that aired on nbc over eight seasons the show starred raymond burr as robert t ironside usually addressed by the title chief ironside a consultant for the san francisco police who was paralyzed from the waist down after being shot on vacation (laughs) (laughs) oh man they don't make tv shows like they used to yeah all right, what if we put him in a wheelchair and his nickname was Ironside? No. What if his name was Ironside? I wonder if that was based off the idea of Raymond Burr being like, I'll be on your TV show, but I'm gonna, I want to sit the whole time. <laughs> All right. Um, the last one I sung I want to talk about was the final one. That's Rhinestone Cowboy. Hold a cold one like he hold an old gun Like he hold a microphone and stole the show for fun Or a foe for ransom Flows is handsome Holes in tandem Anthem Random Tantrum Phantom of the grand old Opry Ask the dumb hottie Mask pump shoddy Somebody stop me Hardly come sloppy on a retarded hard copy After rockin' parties he departed in a jalopy Watch the drop top poppy Known as the grimy limey slime. This song has like a sample from this artist Her name is Maria Bethania, I think it's Latin music, but it the strings are kind of pitch shifted. Uh, they're a lot slower in the in the the original version of the song. It's really I love those strings though. They're just kind of like kind of come in like these waves uh, with another kind of like laid back beat. I'm gonna read a line and then I'll I'll talk about the footnote for it. It speaks well of the hyper bass wasn't even tweaked and it leaked into cyberspace. 
uh, so I had mentioned like how the album had leaked when they were doing the demos for it. But the footnote says, in the first verse, Doom says fans will want a copy of this music as soon as it's made. Had your fam saying, please make me a dub. In the second verse, which was written nearly a year after the first, Doom describes in literal terms the history of what happened after the first draft of the album. It was, in fact, leaked into cyberspace before it was finished. Yeah, so he's just kind of like commenting on, again, his braggadocio about how everyone wants this. You haven't heard it yet, but you're going to want this. But people have heard portions of it because it leaked, (laughs) Uh, which is uh, an interesting topic for a song, I suppose. But this is the closing track for the record. I think it it works pretty well for a closing track. You feel like the end of it, you know, like it is a fitting ending the way he kind of like that wind down is kind of like a mic drop. Yeah, those strings too sound like it could be like an outro to a movie or something like that. Yeah, so that's the record. Um, yeah, but unfortunately, that's it. They didn't they didn't do anything else together. And I think uh, Mad Lib found out that that um, Doom had died the same way everyone else did by reading it. Doom's wife's Facebook post. That is so strange. I think it just kind of fits with who he is. It just kind of like, oh yeah, okay, that's really strange, but that's this this character and mm-hmm. left this great body of work and a lot of it unfinished and um strange but really beguiling but inviting in a lot of ways and i don't know like so much of this feels like a lot of the art we talk about on the podcast things that we like there's a lot of overlap with almost like this deep sense of history and mythology but that isn't needed for entryway into to enjoying it whatsoever it's there if you want it it's this strange story of MF Doom, um, Victor Vaughn or King Ghidra. Um, but a lot of this works for me because it's just such a, a, a has such, such a specific vibe. Yeah, it's great chill out music. I mean, this feels like, you know, the kind of, you know, I, I know that you really enjoy like genre mashups and people sort of playing with those conventions. And I mean, the way the samples are all put together here, um, it feels, you know, similar in that respect that I'm not surprised that you were really taken by this. I know a lot of times when we make our recommendations, we tend to branch outward to be like, you know, something that reminds us of the thing we're talking about. But like specifically, where should I go next for more MF Doom? I, I recommended it on the um, Venture Brothers episode because of that crossover of a mishmash of so many different things that i love but the king Ghidra album is is probably my second favorite or or close to this album i love the king Ghidra one all the beats on that are done by doom um so and i guess he has like this massive collection of vhs tapes and he would just kind of he would just kind of use those for his samples of stuff of like hanna-barbera and old godzilla and all these old things from his childhood and um, so King Ghidorah probably has a lot more pop culture references, but you know, he's still a super villain and it's still larger than life and, and really fun. The few records he did put out under MF Doom are terrific. Um, Operation Doomsday, which is first one is, is really good. Uh, mm food <laughs> is great. M M dot, 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 um, uh, food. It's a, f- ostensibly a food theme record, <laughs> uh, but not, not quite, um, Obviously, like he, he's just, I think 
anytime he says there's a theme, maybe it's just like a loose kind of collection of things sure. where he can just hang his non sequiturs and and um, word salad uh, on it wherever he wants. I think those two are great. Uh, the Victor Vaughn record's good. His last like official record was called Born Like This, which is good. Not as great as this. I think this is probably the best um, of all of it. I do recommend listening to some Mad Lib, um, mm-hmm. which is um, a lot of his stuff on his own is instrumental, um, but it has that, the same kind of vibe to it. Um, that Shades of Blue record, I, like I mentioned, with all the jazz kind of remix stuff is pretty great starter. He was also in this, um, he had this, it's a made up group. He called it the Yesterday's New Quintent, but it's just him. It's like all jazz music. Um, which is oh, really good. cool. That gets they get referenced in one of the songs, don't they? Yeah, Bistro. Mm-hmm. You can't really go wrong with a lot of it. I mean, there was plenty of um, mixtapes that he put out, and Doom put out a lot of instrumental stuff as well. So I wouldn't necessarily go to those places next. I think those are like you're hooked, you know. Advanced studies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I do want to recommend another kind of another artist, um, another kind of underground hip-hop guy came out before this in 96 um have you ever heard cool keith yes i know i'm I'm aware of cool keith he put out one record uh under the name dr octagon um with dan the automator and dan the automator has done some work with um the gorillas um and other um hip-hop artists the record is called dr octagon (laughs) ecologist um this is a pretty infamous uh, rep- record it's really strange um he is probably even weirder than mf doom a lot more non sequiturs a lot of word salad kind of stuff it's probably a lot grosser a lot more perverted uh, but it's just such a an interesting record uh, with some great um, music to it kind of experimental like this one not as jazzy or funky um mm. A lot more synths, weird kind of ugly, gnarly sounds and stuff. But it's a great, great record. It is a record that helped me get into a lot of this type of music. Okay, cool. Yeah, it was a good kind of starter thing for me. Nice. What about you? Do you have any recommendations? Uh, I don't. I came here to learn this week. Okay, awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I, like I mentioned at the top, um, hip-hop in general is kind of a big blind spot. So, yeah, I'm just, I think I'm, you know. Got a little more brain space these days, so maybe I'll uh, start exploring some some stuff. Thank you. I appreciate you kind of uh, leading the way on this one, and I do uh, I do feel like I walk away from this with not that I didn't enjoy it. I really like this album, but I, I think I have a much better appreciation. Kind of just letting you sort of geek out about it a little bit. <laughs> uh, like I said up at the top. Sometimes when an artist you like passes away, it's like an excuse to dig into all their work. And this was like a really great reminder of something that I loved quite a bit. Because like I said, this record's almost 20 years old and I got it when it came out. And I remember when it came out, I just felt so new and it kind of opened me up to a lot of other things. And there's just so much stuff now and there's so much music. And I almost feel like, in a weird way, like rap music for me has, is almost like what anime in a lot of ways where I was obsessed with it for a period of time. And then it's just got so overwhelming that now I'm just like, 
almost like a tourist. Um, yeah. And I and there's so much modern stuff where I feel like, oh yeah, I don't really quite have the handle that I maybe once had. Revisiting this was great, and and even aside from listening to this, I've been listening to other Doom. King Ghidorah, which I, I love quite a bit, but um, his first record, which I had actually had never listened to before, Operation Doomsday, and, and uh, I remember texting you saying, like, this is great. Um, I think, what was the reference? Uh, there was some strange reference in, in it or, that I had texted you that I was like, oh, I don't remember. Yeah, it was something, I think it was another Godzilla reference or something like that. Oh, it was like, it had to do about um, Jet Jaguar. He, he references oh, Jet Jaguar. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, you're always excited when Jet Jaguar shows up. He's only in one movie, and he's like the coolest robot. Um, yeah, so like it was, it was really great to kind of revisit it and just um, reminisce in a lot of ways. Cool. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we are going to be talking about Devil in a Blue Dress. Uh, we're going to be focusing more on the movie, probably? I think only because it will be fresher in our minds at that yeah, yeah. point. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we will do is, a comparison with the movie and the book. Yeah. This is a, a, a film noir from the mid nineties starring Denzel Washington, which I feel like we won't get too much into it here, but like, I, I feel like if you're on film Twitter, like it pops up once a month or someone's like, man, why aren't people talking about this movie still? But then we're going to be talking about the book as well by Walter Mosley. So uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, me too. I um I haven't watched the movie yet because I want to have it fresh in my memory for when we record. But uh, I really enjoyed the book. I thought it was good, so I can't wait yeah. to talk about it. Cool. Yeah, and I read the second one because it's a oh, awesome. series of uh, hard-boiled uh, detective fiction. Uh, yeah, good stuff. And Carl Franklin, who directed the movie version, uh, one of his other movies is currently up on the Criterion Channel, and I'll probably give that a watch as well, so we can have a. A, a bigger framework for the whole thing. Cool. I won't ask you what it is because you okay. can recommend it to me next time. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to another episode of What Did We Miss? You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at What Did We Miss? And you can send us an email at What Did We Miss Pod at gmail.com. And thanks as always to the What's Your Writers Club in downtown Providence, Rhode Island. You can learn more about them at whatcheerclub.org and you can follow them on Twitter and Instagram at What Cheer Club.